This is the Christian Life Center podcast. Here at CLC, we are messengers of hope, where we believe in taking God's message of hope everywhere we go to everyone we meet. From wherever you are, be encouraged by this week's message. In our sermon series, as we are looking at the book of 1 John, take your Bibles, your devices, click over, turn over. 1 John, we're going to land uh, over in chapter 3, and that's where we're going to be diving in today. Our series is our spiritual growth campaign, and it's called Authentic. Say that with me, Authentic. And Authentic is based in what 1 John is ta- uh, talking about, the Apostle John, is challenging the church to put their faith to the test. He's challenging them to examine their lives. Now, let me say it again. He's talking to the church. He's talking to believers and he's saying to them, I want you to examine yourself. I want you to examine your life and I want you to put your faith to the test and see if it's genuine. See if it's authentic. See if you're really walking out the fruit of your salvation. The key verse for us in this entire series, and we're in week four today, and today we've called this message, the lifestyle of holiness. The key verse comes from 1 John chapter five and verse 13. Look at it here. In fact, let's say it together. At home, wherever you may be in the building, let's say 1 John chapter five, verse 13 together. Are you ready? Let's say it. I write these things to you, you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. So that you may know. Can I just hear an amen today? That's what we want to do, is we want to know that we are ready to spend eternity with God the Father. This entire series is looking at uh, some themes, some topics that John keeps coming back to. Now, John is a circular writer. He's not a linear writer like the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul will make a point and then he'll break it down and prove that point. By the way, that's probably more my style, right? I'll make the point and then let's look at what God says and how we, how we can apply it. That was the Apostle Paul. However, the Apostle John will make some statements. He's got three major themes in this book and uh, and a few sub-themes, and that's what we're looking at in this series. And so he'll state them, then he'll come back to them again, and then he'll come back to them one more time. So as we've been walking through, it sounds like we're hitting these themes over and over, but it's because John, in his style of writing, keeps bringing us back to the central thoughts that he wants us to know about. Last week, what a great week we had, what a powerful worship service. Last week, we looked at um, the love that God hates, hating what God hates. And the reason that we hate what God hates, which is a love for this world, is because of what the world is, what the world does to us. We hate the things of this world. A love that God hates is a love for this world because of who we are as believers and where the world is going. Can I hear an amen today? So today, we're going to look at another test, and it's the test of walking in daily holiness, walking in holiness. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. We open your word. We turn to it, click to it, Father, to hear from you. 
So right now, each and every one of us, I ask, Lord, that our ears would be open and attuned to you, that, God, we indeed would, would come to see you and understand you and learn to walk in you, and that our faith would be authentic. And all God's people said, amen, and amen, and amen. So today we want to talk about a lifestyle of holiness, because the Apostle John is telling us, if we're going to have an authentic faith, that authentic faith is going to live itself out as we walk through life. It's a lifestyle. It's not just an action. It's not just something we do, but it's a lifestyle. It's that which we put on and we begin to live it. An authentic Christian walks in holiness. It's a, it's a lifestyle that walks in holiness and therefore there is an effort in our lives to have a decreasing pattern of sin. That we are walking in the character of God and the nature of God and the righteousness of God and sin is being broken over our lives. Now, can we just agree that that's what we want in our lives today? That God, we would walk in you. Pastor and author Matt Chandler writes this. He says, it is holiness, the holiness of heaven that drives out the filthiness of this world. It is the beauty of Christ that compels us to say no, to say no to what is broken and grotesque in the world. Can we just agree that that is the reality? The holiness of heaven drives us to walk in a, in a, in a lifestyle that drives out the filthiness of this world. Paul says it another way. The Apostle Paul over in Philippians chapter 4 says, if it is beautiful, if it is lovely, if it is right, if it is good, if it is pure, hang on to that, stay there and dwell there. That's what God wants for you and I is to understand to understand the reality of what heaven will be like and let that drive us. Let it be what that, that we pursue and that which compels us. I believe the enemy is doing everything he can right now. The enemy of your soul to get a foothold in your life. If he can get you to give in to sin, if he can get you to compromise, if he can get you rationalizing the sin and the habits and the addictions and the attitudes and the actions of our life, if he can get us to a place that we're giving in to temptation, he gets a foothold because of that sin in our life. And if you give the devil a foothold in your life, before long, he's going to make it a stronghold. If you give him a foothold, he's going to make it a stronghold. And that stronghold is going to weaken you and weaken what God wants to do in your life. I had a, you know, a little illustration. I'm going to use the back screen here. Hopefully, they'll be able to see it uh, well online. But for those of you who are tea drinkers, any tea drinkers in the house? Let me see. Any tea drinkers in the house? My wife is a tea drinker. Now, I've converted her to drink some coffee. Any coffee lovers in the house? Do you know when I came to Christian Life Center nine years ago? In fact, this weekend, nine years ago, Candy and I were installed as pastors nine years ago. This weekend. And... Uh, 
It's been a wonderful journey. I know Pastor Max and Ophelia are watching uh, all the time. Pastor Max, Ophelia, we love you. We're so thankful that we have been able just to walk uh, in your footsteps here at Christian Life Center. When I came nine years ago, I was told that, that uh, Christian Life Center people don't drink a lot of coffee. <laughs> Can you believe I was told that? Well, I found that to be the opposite. You guys like a lot of coffee. And, uh, and you're, a lot of, you're a lot of tea drinkers in the house as well, right? Now, you know what happens. You'll get a hot cup of water, right? You, however you're getting it, you boil it on the stove. Maybe you have a coffee maker that puts out hot water. But you get a hot cup of, co- uh, 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 a hot cup of water. And with that water, then what are you going to do is you're going to do what? You're going to dip your tea bag, right? You're going to dip in your tea bag. And, and the longer you dip it or the longer you allow it to remain in the hot water, that clear water now begins to take on the characteristics of what was in the tea bag. And that which was pure, clean water, I mean, you don't start you don't start making a, a cup of tea with dirty water, right? I mean, it's clean water. Well, that clean water, first of all, let me say, that represents who you and I are as believers when we come to Christ and Christ is in our life and we're walking in a lifestyle of holiness. We're like a, we're like a cup of clear, clear water. The more you're in the word, the more you're committed to him, the more you're praying, the more you're walking in a life of righteousness, you're that clear cup of water. The tea bag represents what sin is to our life. If we give in to sin, that sin begins to impact who we are. The longer we stay in sin, by the way, there's a difference from an act of sin to a state of sin. An act of sin is I commit a sin. We all sin and fall short of the glory of God. But he is faithful and just to remove our sin if we confess our sin to him. So though I may stumble, though I may make a mistake, though you may have uh, those moments that you lose your anger, you lose your temper, that, that you say or think or do something that you ought, the act of sin can be forgiven when you confess the sin. The state of sin is when there is no intention to change. There is no intention to turn your life around and to break the pattern of sin and the habit of sin and the addiction uh, that's in your life. Though you may make a confession, confession alone doesn't release the mercy of God. It's turning from the sin and turning to God. It's, it's, it's saying, God, I've broken your heart. I, I know I've broken your heart. You get rid of the tea bag and you let the Spirit of God begin to bring refreshing in you that washes away the sin and brings purity back into your life. You see, that's what happens in your life when you confess. But if you live in a state of sin where there's really no intention to turn around, to change, to break that habit, to break that addiction in your life, then the reality is you can be confessing, but the Apostle Paul and the Apostle John that we're looking at in in our message today, these two, these two are saying that there's a problem. If you live in the state of sin without the confession that brings you out of the sin. And therefore, we look at that today and we see that the Apostle John has a challenge for us. So our passage today, look with me in 1 
John chapter 3, 1 John chapter 3, let's read verse 5. This is where we're at in our sermon series. John says, but you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins. And in him, there is no sin. No one who lives in him can keep on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or know him. So here, the apostle John is saying to you and I in his writing, he's saying to us that we've got to understand that First of all, in Christ, there is forgiveness of sin. That's what I've been talking about. That because of Christ, because of what he's done for us, that we can confess our sin and find forgiveness of our sin. When we confess it, when we ask him to remove it, he is faithful and just and he will remove the sin from our life. John will use some metaphors. The metaphors he's using in this book that he comes back to is light, love and life because God is light because God is love because God gives life to you and I through Jesus Christ because of that we he says as believers should long to have a relationship with him we should want to have fellowship with him and that fellowship we'll look at next week with him leads to a fellowship with one another so because of Christ, because of what he's done, because we are forgiven, the guilt of your sin is no longer something that you've got to carry. You can set it down. You can lay it down. The power of sin can be broken over your life. Your life can be turned around and transformed. Because of that, he says there has got to be a longing in you, a desire in you to walk a lifestyle of holiness. 1 John 3, 6, he'll say, 1 John 3, 6, no one who lives in him keeps on sinning. Why? It's because the Holy Spirit is now in you. And because he's in you, he's prompting you. He's challenging you. He's convicting you. We'll look at that in a couple weeks. The conviction of the Holy Spirit, the prompting of the Holy Spirit, how to hear that, how to recognize that. And what does that mean? He's prompting you and I. I want to read another scripture to you. First Peter, turn your Bibles, click over. First Peter chapter 1. First Peter chapter 1, verse 15. Peter says, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. What does holy mean? You may want to write off in your notes or, or tap it into the, the notes section of the app there. Holy means that you are godly, that you are pure, that you are not being impacted by the teabag of sin in your life. That there is a fleshing out through, blood, through the blood of Christ, through the repentance and the confession of sin, that you are being cleansed and purified. Holy is that you are set apart. That you are set apart unto God for God's specific purpose. So God is calling. In fact, I believe that that's what happens right now in this COVID, in this year that we've had. 
pastor after pastor that I know and I'm talking to, man, they're talking about the end times. They're, they're talking about living a life that's real and authentic. They're talking about what happens in, in, this, in, in this struggle to live a life unto God. And what God is desiring for you and I is to see that he's calling us back to a life of holiness. Now, there's a difference between holiness and righteousness. Righteousness is something that is more passive. We are declared righteous when we confess our sin. When, when we stand in a place of confession, we're declared righteous, and it's more passive. The righteousness of Christ is the garments of Christ are, are put on us. That now when we stand before God the Father and come into the holy of holies, we don't come there in and of ourselves and what we've done or what we've said in our own righteousness, but it's through the righteousness of Christ. But that is more passive. It comes through our confession. It comes through our stance. It, it comes through a determination. Holiness, on the other hand, is a process of sanctification where we're set apart, where, where we're called and, and, and we're called to, to walk in obedience and we're called to develop. You may want to put this in the chat box or in your notes, in, in, your, in your notes section there. We're called to walk in obedience so that we are developing the nature of God within us. Whereas righteousness is more passive, holiness is, is, an, is an action that we take. It, it requires our participation where we're walking with, with the Lord. And as we walk with him, we're walking with the Spirit, in step with the Spirit, in tune to the Spirit, so that the Spirit can do his work within us. See, the Holy Spirit. Now, don't lose me. I know I'm going into some deep, deep theology. Can you, can you handle it? Can you hold on? Okay, so this theology that you've got to understand of who God is and what God wants to do is that this work of holiness, as we walk with him and we develop a relationship with him, the Holy Spirit begins to illuminate that which is in our life that is unpure, that is unholy, the teabag of sin in our life that must be broken, that must be confessed, that must be renounced in our life so that we are standing in the righteousness of Christ. So it's a work. It's a work of the Spirit. It's a walk of obedience in you and I, and it's a daily journey. How many know you've been walking with God for many years? Your sanctification is a daily journey. So if you're taking notes, let me kick off a few thoughts of what I've just shared with you in bullet points now. <laughs> John speaks circular. I'm going to teach you linear, okay? So let's pull it out here. First of all, I want you to understand that this lifestyle of holiness is a call. It's a call to be holy. Why? Because he is holy. Why? Because we are a chosen people, a holy nation. Therefore, we are to be holy like he is holy. I love that passage in 1 Peter where, P where Peter is writing. He says, you are a chosen people. Chosen people. Why? Because you're saved. Because you're sanctified. You've given your life to Christ. Because you're walking in obedience to be like him. To develop the nature and the character of God in your life. You see, my natural self doesn't, <laughs> doesn't naturally develop it. But when I walk in this journey, I begin to take on the character of Christ, 
the thoughts of Christ, the nature of Christ. I begin to become like Christ. That's what it means to be a Christian. So holiness, therefore, is separated from sin and set apart unto God, service to God, to walk with God. I want to read to you a scripture that the Apostle Paul really, I think, helps us to understand why this is so important. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 1. Powerful verse, powerful verse. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1, I believe it's on the screen. He says, therefore, by the way, any time that a biblical author uses the word therefore, <laughs> little, uh, just like a, a little paradox uh, statement here, anytime there's a therefore, you have to understand why is it there? What's it there for? Well, Paul is going to be talking about something in chapter 6. Remember that the writers of the Bible were writing letters. They were writing books. They didn't have chapters and verses like you and I. We came back later and put that in so that we could easily teach you and get you quickly to a place so that we could study and learn the same thing. So we're jumping in to the middle of a letter and he says, therefore. Well, the therefore has to go off of an argument that he made over in chapter six. So he says, therefore, since we have these promises, well, what promises? Well, you don't know right now because we skipped chapter six. We jumped into the middle of the letter. So I'll come back to it in a moment. But he says, since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from what? Everything. Type it in the box. Everything. Underline it. Circle it. Everything that contaminates body and spirit. Here's an interesting word. Perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. So he says, because you have these promises, I challenge you. He gives a warning. And the warning is this. Because of these promises, I want you to purify, to purify yourself from everything that contaminates. Well, in a sense, we can go back to our teabag analogy. If we go back to the teabag, I want you to purify yourself from all of the sin that's impacted you. I want you to begin to flesh it out of your life. Why? Because of these promises. What are the promises? I don't have time to go deep. But over in chapter 6, in verse 16, he says the first promise. And that promise is I will live with you and I will walk with you. The promise is, if you accept me, if you purify anything that contaminates you, you're purifying it. You're breaking sin. You're breaking those habits. You're working on your character. Those addictions, you're saying, God, I've got to overcome them. These areas that John has already talked about, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. He says, these things are contaminating you and they've got to be purified out of your life. And he says, if you want a relationship with me, if you want my presence to be with you, I will walk with you and I will live with you and I will, I will be with you. If you want my presence, then you've got to purify. In verse 18, he gives the second promise. And the second promise is, I will be your father. So the first promise is a promise of his presence. The second promise is a promise of a relationship that we can have with him. He's not distant. 
but he's there. He wants to be a part of our life. He wants to be a part of what's happening in and through our life. And therefore, we've got to learn. We've got to learn to attune to him, to walk with him and to be with him. And when we do, he says, I, I will give you my presence and you will have a relationship with me. Removing everything that contaminates. You see, I think sometimes we get a little bit too comfortable with our sin. I don't think we're as embarrassed about sin anymore. I think we've learned to accept it, to adjust to it, even to coddle it, maybe even feed it. We've learned to rationalize it and justify it. If the government approves of it, we almost embrace it as now it's okay. And because, unfortunately, many that call themselves followers of Christ aren't rooted in the Word and aren't growing in the Word and aren't abiding is the word we've been introducing to you, abiding in the Word, they don't even sometimes recognize where they're contaminated. You see, that's what really bothers some of us as pastors who are striving for an end-time move of God and a revival that turns the world upside down is, is, a, is, a, is, a, is, a, is something that we know that for many people, they don't even know that they're contaminated. And therefore, why would we need to share messages like this is so that we understand it. I was hearing about a story this week where they were doing a documentary of this woman with lion, uh, with a with a lion, and this 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 woman raised this lion from a small cub. I think I have a picture uh, of of her uh, with 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 her pet. I mean, she raised it from a small cub. She would play with it, pet it, you know, kind of just you know play with it like you'd play with a with a dog or a cat, you know. Just uh, she raised this lion. And they were going to be doing a documentary, and, 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 and as they were preparing, she was with the, the cub, you see right there, and, and, uh, and then in the middle of the documentary, something happened, and the lion attacked her and mauled her. They had to come and rescue uh, her and get the lion off. But she had raised it. She didn't know what had happened. She had become so comfortable being with that lion. But the problem is, is in that lion, it wasn't meant, it wasn't created to be cuddled, right? It wasn't created to, 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 to have as a pet. And you as a believer were not created to have sin contaminate your life. You were called, you were sanctified, you are saved by the blood of Jesus Christ so that you can have his presence, you can be with him, and that you can have a relationship with him. You see, that's not how God has created you and I. No, I think I have another picture here with the effect of what lions really are. Look at here. You see, sin (laughs) is the tool of the enemy. Sin is what he uses to get you and I to begin to think that we can play with it. We can cuddle it. We can feed it. We can, we, 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 you know, we, we can just have a good time with it. But I'm going to tell you, hear me today. Hear me today. There's going to be a moment that that sin's going to turn on you. 
That sin is going to become a stronghold in your life and it will destroy your relationship with God. It'll lead to destroying your marriage. You can't flirt around and think that that's not going to turn around and impact your marriage. You got to be careful. You mess around with sin and before you know it, it has an impact in your life. The second thing I want to say to you today is that there are reasons why Christ followers should be holy. As I've already been sharing with you, it's because of the character of who God is. Because God is holy, we should be holy. His character calls you and I to be holy. Secondly, it's because of what God has done for you. Because he's given his son so that you and I could have eternal life. We can have his presence because he is holy. When we walk a lifestyle of holiness, we become like him. But because of what Christ has done for you and I, now as we live a lifestyle of holiness, we're developing the nature of Christ in us. A third reason is because God commands it. He commands that you and I are set apart. In fact, in 1 Thessalonians, it says it's the will of God. It's the will of God for you and I that we are sanctified, set apart, that you and I are living a life that's honoring to him. So in the final parts of this message today, that which I encourage you to talk about in your life group. I, I encourage you to take some time with those that you're watching today uh, with or, or those that you have come to service today with. I want you to take some time to talk about some of these practical steps as we kind of conclude this challenge from the Apostle John today. Practical steps to the journey of holiness. First of all, I want you to, to understand that we've got to be proactive. Say proactive. Proactive in our battle against sin. Look here, Galatians 5.16, I say, walk by the Spirit and you will what? Not gratify the desires of the flesh. See, what I've learned about my flesh is my flesh, the desires of the flesh. The Apostle John said, the, the, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, the, the desires of the flesh are fighting for control. And the battle is always a battle for your heart. We said a couple weeks ago, and therefore, if the flesh is fighting for control, the Apostle John says, guys, this is the key. You walk in the Spirit and by the Spirit, and when you walk by the Spirit, you will not, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And so, Father, because you command it, because of what you've done for me, because of who you are, because I want your presence in a relationship with you, because of that, God, I want to purify everything that contaminates me. And you've got to be proactive. You've got to pursue it. You've got to go after it. You've got to seek holiness. You've got to grow in the nature of God. You don't just grow uh, 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 by accident or happenstance in the character of God. It's something that you pursue. You go after. You work towards as you walk with him, as you desire to be with him, as you're in his word. All of a sudden, you're taking on the nature of God. You walk in and by the Spirit. Someone say walk. walk. 
Point to somebody wherever you're at. You're with somebody. Walk in the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit. Learn to hear the voice of the Spirit. Paul says it this way in 1 Thessalonians 4, 4, that each of you should learn to control your own body. And in this you... Uh, in this, uh, in, in, in your own body, in a way that is holy and honorable. Amen and amen and amen. The second thing I want you to understand, the proactive uh, uh, battle is the first practical stance. Uh, uh, first, first practical step is that you don't let up. No matter how long you've walked with God, it's still a battle to walk in holiness and to be righteous before God. The second thing I want you to know is you've got to continuously remind yourself, especially the longer you live for God and walk with God, keep reminding yourself that holiness is a lifelong journey. It's not a destination. Sanctification isn't just take a class. It's not just get baptized. It's not just go through school of discipleship. All of those things will help you walk the journey. But there's not a destination. Some of you in this room have served God for over 50 years. You've walked with God for many, many, many years. And you will be the first ones to attest to others in the room that it is a continuous journey. It's a lifelong journey walking with God daily and growing in him with a desire to know him and to develop uh, the characteristics of his, his life in your life. Can I hear an amen? In fact, John says it this way, 1 John 3 in verse 6, no one who lives in him does what? Keeps on sinning. There's a break that takes place. A third thing I want you to know is that we've got to live in God's grace. We don't do this by our own strength. We can't do it alone, but it's the grace of God. So let me come back again to where I started. And that is when I live a life of repentance and confession, putting my faith to the test, seeing if I'm authentic. Paul says examining myself daily to see if I'm in the faith. These are the things that the writers of the New Testament would say. When I live in that place of repentance and confession, can I tell you what happens is God's grace is continuously released in my life. When I'm constantly just getting the tea bag out, getting, getting the sin out, constantly just saying, God, that attitude was wrong. That habit in my life has got to be broken. God, what I, what, what, what I want you to do is to develop this part of my character. There's no reason for character flaws in my life because it can be transformed by you. I can't just say, oh, that's just the way I am. No, no, no. The way I am is being transformed into your likeness. I'm not to be conformed by the image of this world, but I'm to be conformed into the image of Christ. And therefore the carnal man, the old man, has got to be transformed. So I'm saved by grace, yes, but I'm a handiwork of God. God is working. Ephesians 2, 9 says in 10 that I'm the handiwork of God. God is working a masterpiece in our life. But when I, when I live in a state of confession, repentance, it's happening in our lives. Let me read to you a quote from author Andrew Murray. 
He says, nowhere can we get to know the holiness of God and come under his influence and power except in the inner chambers of God. It has been well said, no man can expect to make progress in holiness who is not often and, who is not often and long alone with God. I've got to understand that when I live in the grace of God, I continuously am allowing the tea bags to be removed of sin in my life and the refreshing of the spirit that comes and cleanses. The last and final practical step that I leave with you today is stay committed. It'll be difficult. It's a journey. The journey, no matter how long you're on this life, in this world, the journey is a daily journey. It is a battle. It is something that we continuously to say, God, I want you to do it. But because we have these promises, purify ourselves of everything that contaminates. And then he said, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. What is perfecting holiness? Perfecting holiness is that walk of obedience. Obedience is not a word that we like, but obedience is the word that gets us to the place of experiencing the presence and the power and the relationship of God. Stay committed to developing the nature and the character of God. Stay committed to abiding in Christ and hearing the word of the Lord. Stay uh, 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 committed to continuously putting yourself, like we will tonight, in the presence of God. If you're in the building or you're at home, I mean, turn off everything and allow it to be a time where you're just in the presence of God, where you become aware of his presence and you purify, you purify. Stay committed to the teachings of the Word of God. Stay committed to learning and pressing in and working. You are His masterpiece. Let Him work on your life. Too many Christians call themselves a believer, but they've not allowed themselves to be under the hands of the potter who's working with the clay. See, He's working. One of the most beautiful things is to realize that he's still working on me. To say, he's not finished with me yet. Can I hear an amen? God's still working on us. I won't always say it right. I won't always do it right. I may not do what I should do. Paul says, I do what I don't want to do. How many know what I'm talking about? But man, when we stay in that place, it's a lifestyle. We can come under, under the fountain of the Spirit. When we stay committed to that, there's a refresh. Come, Jesus said, come. All who are thirsty for my presence, come. Come unto me and allow me to bring the refresh. The contaminations will be removed. The sin will be removed. I'm telling you, church, when you come under the fountain of the Most High, it's refreshing. One of my favorite places, I end with this. In fact, I wish I would have thought about it before this moment because I would have showed you a picture. One of my favorite places in all of Israel 
is a place called En Gedi. En Gedi is in the mountains coming down, the desert mountains coming down to the Dead Sea. And way, I mean literally, 100 miles away up in the mountains, when the snow begins to melt and when the rains come way up in the mountains, the rain will begin to come down the Canvas Valley all the way down to the Dead Sea. And when it gets to En Gedi, En Gedi is where David wrote a lot of the Psalms. He would hide in the caves of the En Gedi. He would hide there from King Saul who was chasing him. It would be there at En Gedi that he would have snuck into the cave and cut off the edge of, 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 of his robes as he was in the caves. Well, in En Gedi are beautiful streams. Mountain fall. Uh, what do you call that? A waterfall. What do you, what do you, is that what you call a, a waterfall? I mean, I mean, just gushing down. There's three of them. We'll hike up to those uh, uh, water springs and the waterfalls. And, and usually a lot of our, our group will, will get into the waterfall and it's hot. You're at the Dead Sea. You're in the desert. It's hot. You've been hiking up the mountain. And then you'll get there and there'll be a pool of, of water that's come down. And the waterfall, the water uh, uh, streams will be coming down. And it's just so refreshing. That's the image I have. As we walk through our life, as we go through trials and difficulties, and we're walking a life of holiness before him, we can come under the refreshing of the Almighty God. And man, let me tell you, Jesus said, all who are thirsty. You know what the problem is? Is we've lost our thirst. You know what the problem is? Is we've made sin a friend. Sin has become our pet. You know what the problem is, is we really want what we want. And that's why the Apostle John would challenge us. It was a warning to the church. And I'm just sharing that warning to us that he wrote to the church of Ephesus. As he said, hmm. He said, if you're really a follower of God, if your faith is really authentic, that you won't keep living a life of sin. But he says, man, if you will confess your sin, God is faithful and just and will forgive you of your sin. The beauty of that moment is that God, I have your presence and I can worship you. I can be with you. And when you're with God like that, he begins to purify you. If this ministry is making an impact in your life, why not help us make an impact on the lives of others by partnering with us today? You can give through our CLC app or at clcftl.org forward slash give. Thank you for listening. And remember to subscribe for more inspiring messages like this. Now go and be messengers of hope.